0: Here we are back at your podcast world we'll shake in another episode of this life ain't for everybody excited for today's show. Can't wait to, for y'all to hear what our guest has to say. Thank you all so much for the subscriptions and downloads and for supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. this episode like all others is brought to you by our friends in Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only, the most American iconic brand of all time. Jack Daniels Sour Mash Whiskey. Always remember to enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. But like I've said so many times, I don't know how many good times, high times, sad times, big times, Jack Daniels has helped us with, whether it's a campfire, at hunting camp, a concert, a festival, of county fair it doesn't matter where you're at just remember to enjoy it responsibly and think jack daniels they support conservation the outdoors the american hunter the american sportsman and that's why we believe in them not to mention it's the best whiskey ever made so remember jack daniels thank you guys for supporting them our guest today is i don't know if you would like i got i I had this podcast uh we'll call you randy for now i had this podcast with this wrestler that's on the u.s olympic team his name's david taylor well his nickname is magic man and i think that can maybe be your nickname now our guest today is randy montana singer songwriter first off i where were you born at
1: i was, I was born in albany new york but <laughs> new uh, we york to, yeah we moved to nashville when i was god man i was probably three years old so you're a so transient it, early yeah nashville's just always been home you know what i mean i, I don't remember living up north i, I, I don't but um so what yeah. year were
0: you born? What's that? What year were you born? I was born in eighty five. So eighty five. You're ten years younger than I. Older than I, younger. We'll we'll just leave it at that. You're ten years somewhere in there with me. You you in nineteen eighty five, Nashville is nowhere near what it is today. Is this safe to say, Randy?
1: Oh, dude, the, the like the explosion of just the population in general. It, it's insane. I mean, e- like even from when I started driving, you know what I mean? Like when I, I just remember driving around cause that's when, I mean, you know, you kind of go where you go as a young kid. Um, you know, I remember going to sounds games downtown and things like that, but it's like, man, when I started driving around, that's when I really started seeing the city and dude, it's just, it's exploded. You know what I mean? It's, it's wild. Um, so it, gives, I,
0: it, Go ahead. Sorry
1: about that. I was just saying I, I dig it. You know what I mean? I, I, I like, it's exciting, man. I mean, it's there's a lot going on, you know. For people can't really
0: see a visual of this, but Broadway is kind of the street that is known as the destination for tourists. There is the Midtown and the Gulch, and there's East Nashville. There's a lot of really cool places to go to for guys that are either more familiar with it, guys and girls that are living there, tourists that have been there multiple times for Fan Fest or whatever it might be. Broadway kind of starts and as you start to go down the slope a little bit you got Bridgestone on the right and a little bit across the street Caddy corner to that is the world famous Tootsie's Lounge and then as you descend on down there all the way down towards the river and on second and stuff you got everything like every bar that is you know the new ones like kids and luke's and jason's and blake's and then you got the the whiskey bent. you have the ones that have been there forever like roberts and their stores along there what did it look like back when you were 16 when you first started driving was it a dirt
1: road pretty much it seems like it at times dude it seems like it we were talking about like we were talking about going out the other night you know what i mean like when we would when i was uh you know when i was close to drinking age and had a picture that looked a lot like me on a, on on an id we would go out down we would go downtown quite a bit because it's like man it was rocking down there midtown wasn't really midtown yet um and i mean yeah there were some like local bars and things like that but dude it was, it wasn't the the tourist thing that it is now i mean yes there were but it was kind of in that that sweet spot where everybody was starting to find out it's like Hey, there's a lot of fun to be had up and down this one street here. And, uh, and then from there, it's like, man, it's just bachelorette parties galore. You you can't, It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's bizarre.
0: Every time I talk to people that get to go there and visit, I always ask them if they've had an oh shit or an oh wow or a, a double take moment. Like you've been in losers, and all of a sudden, wait, is that really? No, can't. Oh, that's oh no way. That's really that's really Toby Keith up there singing his song, or or you you know you're downtown and you might see Bobby Richie jump up at Tootsie's, or like, do you remember one of do you? Did you have any of those when you were that age? Where you're like, oh my God, there's Waylon or there's Willie walking up the road. Did you ever see any of the? Did you ever see Travis Tritt or Chestnut or any of that? the hat pack did you see garth when he was first breaking
1: into the town man i didn't i didn't i just remember honestly one of the would like in the one the member one in the nashville and this was in the airport but i remember walking through and uh joe walsh had landed and yeah uh, guitar player in the eagles and he was he was walking down he was he was feeling great, man. He had had some libations on his uh, on his flight, but man, he was walking down, and, and I remember as a young kid because I remember my mom going, "Oh my God, that's Joe Walsh," you know what I mean? But not up in, in the bars. It's like yes, but man, I grew up around country music. You know what I mean? Like I remember my dad's a songwriter too, and I remember um, the first time I remember <laughs> the first time I remember thinking my dad was cool was I came home and uh remember the band blackhawk dude i just i just had travis
0: denning on here and i said if you ever come to my duck camp in arkansas me and my joel me and my boy joel wicker will not hunt the next day unless we listen to the entire greatest hits blackhawk at the night before we have to listen to every track even big guitar even big guitar
1: yeah dude well the first time i thought my dad was cool was when i came home and uh Henry Paul and Dave Robbins from Blackhawk were in the basement and they were writing a song. And I was like, Blackhawk's in the house. My dad's cool. You know what I mean? Like wow. it was, it was, that was kind of my like, Oh my God. Like I was
0: like, I thought that blew me away. Is your dad's name on that album? Did he write goodbye says it all or no, this was, I think this was kind of after that. Like I think was this it was at-
1: later into the nineties, you know what I mean? But no, that record is so good though
0: oh my gosh they were what are they do they get together at all anymore have you heard of them playing together I'd love to see them again
1: man I, I don't I don't know I mean like I said my, I remember my dad stays in touch with Henry the, the lead singer but um, but man like dude whenever we do we'll do a lot of like cover nights in Nashville where everybody like covers a song and they, they put a band together and dude I always pick a Blackhawks oh, love to because it's so it. good man, man they're
0: so good I remember like 93 I graduated high school in for 2003, but 1993, Randy. Um, I went to baseball on a D1 sco- college scholarship for baseball to yeah. UNLV in Vegas, and the NFR was down there every year. I remember in 93 or the or December of 94, my sophomore year, Blackhawk opened for Chris Ledoux, and it was like the NFR kickoff deal, and I just stood there. And then the next night, Chris Ledoux was the headliner again, and Little Texas was opening for him. So it was just like crazy. like Like, you know, when people would listen to Little Texas... It was maybe like it would have been considered bro country back then. It was almost like pop country. when. But I don't know if it would have been considered that or not. But now when I listen to Little Texas, I love them. I freaking even, I even love like, you know, God bless Texas, like their big hit. like. But back in the day, it was like it was Chris Ledoux or Hank, or you listen to, to some Bo Cephas or David Allen Coe, maybe a little Texas music with Jerry Jeff Walker or Robert Earle. And then when those guys came out, I was like, that's a different sounding kind of country. Who was the singer that sang uh, Bop? the bebop or the, do you remember the song I'm talking about, a big country hit? be yeah. the night away you gotta bop with oh, me yeah, baby yeah, yeah. all yeah, night yeah. long remember that? It's like yeah. that song really made it to radio like you gotta bop with yeah, me baby. yeah, yeah dude, I remember that. that was like the stuff that would be playing at the nfr i can't remember that guy's name but he played little texas blackhawk Shenandoah, diamond rio like it was just awesome country music man like i don't cool. know if country music's the same and a lot of the artists and songwriters i talk to now randy montana i'm always like Brent Cobb always tells me it's going to do what it's going to do. You can't change it. Like, but I don't know if like Travis Tritt and Chestnut and Tracy Lawrence and those guys would even get on the radio in today's world. I don't know if you think that you're shaking your head. Like you might agree with me, but if a song like uh, going through the big D or it's a great day to be alive, which the guy that wrote that is a, what's his name? Come on, help me out. The hippie Daryl, Daryl, uh, Daryl, it's Hang a out. great yeah. day. Daryl Scott. Scott. God, is he awesome. Well, yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if Travis Tritt gets 15 number ones on today's country radio. What What are your thoughts? I, I agree, man. It's like,
1: uh, like Brent was saying, it's like, it's going to do what it's going to do. And it's so interesting. Like why, I mean, there's, it's so interesting why certain things take off, like why a certain sound kind of becomes, uh, the trend, you know what I mean? And it's like, um, I think of most recent, it's like, you think back, it's like of most recent, probably it was that Florida, Georgia line sound. You know what I mean? That's like, our and a lot of times I don't know about you, but it's like the first time you hear it, you go, what the hell is that? Like, it's just like, it's so different and it pulls your ear like such a different way. It's like, man, I've never heard anything like that before. And then that whole trend is set. And so it's like, Man, you hear a lot of those guys, like um golly, what record were they? I mean, even with the you were talking about the Blackhawk stuff, and even kind of back to we were listening to Clint Black the other day. You know what I mean? Like he kind of his bunch of his songs came on the other day, and we I was down there with Riley Green at his place, and, and he had a ton of Clint Black playing it, and we were talking the same thing. It's like, man, these songs are so different, but if you came out with them today. I don't know if it would have done the same thing. It's just like it's kind of all everything's timing. I believe it's, it's all timing. Be timing. Yeah, I I
0: love I Clint Black's kind of a cool deal. I, back I used to be a huge Howard Stern fan, and some things have led me not to be as big of a Howard fan lately. But okay. I. He has this guy that works for him named John that had a company called Jump the Shark. And Jump the Shark meant like when a TV show like went off the deep end kind of like uh, that you can't watch it anymore. They, they went as far as they could. The Sopranos did it. So you could go onto this website. And like Clint Black jumped the shark when he got married and started singing. Everything that was coming out of his mouth was sappy because Killing Time. And there's a song that he did that when you talk to Clint Black listeners, they, barely, they very rarely mention a song called No News. Is that, like that song right there is the best Clint Black song ever, in my opinion. And yeah. I could listen to it once a day, but um, I think he kind of jumped the shark. Like he even transitioned and changed his sound through his career from being that that hat pack country honky tonk guy to more of a ballad, kind of like a faith and Tim kind of deal, you know, when he married, what's her name? But when you start talking about what you do for a living now. I want to get back to the beginning because you started as an artist. Are you still an artist? Are you still trying to break as an artist? Are you still, or are you mainly a songwriter now?
1: Just, uh, you know, mainly all, all the songwriter. I mean, I think all writers are artists in their own. All oh, for sure. In their own merit. I mean, if that makes sense, it's because, uh, you know, you kind of do, you do what you do and you're kind of the only one that does it that way. And so I think they're all artists. And, and I think that's why a lot of writers, that a lot of guys that you hear that like get a lot of songs cut now that are kind of behind the scenes and and the writers a lot of them were artists at one point in time you know what I mean like had record deals or were trying to get a record deal. Um and but and and to that it's like I think and I know we had kind of talked about time before but it's almost like a genre like it has to kind of come around to you if that makes sense and and I think you're obviously influenced by the things that are going on by the guys that are having hits and then but it's a matter of finding those guys it's like man I just happen to work really well with like with like Luke Combs you know what I mean it's like we just we write really well together you know and uh same with like Riley Green too it's just like and parker mccollum but you talk
0: about timing though but you you have an awesome voice you've been there's been critics quoted as saying like they compare some of your songs to like george jones ballads like the tour and things um you sang a song in 2011 it was called like a cowboy talk about timing like you sang it awesome but then you you fast forward six seven eight years ago hauser makes it a hit right like is that the same song it's the same different what that's a
1: different song, but Parker McCollum recorded that same song. Oh, man. Parker
0: McCollum recorded the same one. And yeah. did what was Howser's song that was Like a Cowboy?
1: I think his was Like a Cowboy as well, but it's a different it was a different Like a Cowboy.
0: Yeah. Same same title though. Yeah. But now Parker's recording the Parker recorded the one that you laid down. So that song's still living. So timing could be to where if Parker takes it to the charts and makes a hit out of it, it was just it wasn't the right time when Randy Montana was doing
1: it as an artist? For sure. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, just where the genre is going. Like you were saying about like some of those certain songs, it was like I remember when my stuff was out as an artist, you know, I was on, um, I signed a record deal, the Universal, and I made a record there with um, Jay Joyce, who does all like, uh, he does all the Eric Church stuff. Um, I mean, I was really early on in in, uh, Jay Joyce's, country artists that he'd worked with he'd done a ton in the rock world and um but i think he had just done eric church and country and so i I was early on and so yeah man i mean you you make you don't know what's going to hit really and and, and you try not to think about it at least i didn't you know i was just trying to record songs that i loved and songs that i felt like were me and uh you do the best you can you don't know it's like I used Florida Georgia Line as an example because it's like, man, I remember when I heard Cruise, I was like, wow, like. That like it was so different, I'd never heard anything like that, but I also knew in that same breath, like I was like, that's the way the genre was going. I could feel that pull going that way and I, and I wasn't going that way. You know what I mean? Like I had a little bit I, I was different. I was a little more left to center and um, and their thing was kind of going that way. And, and so that's when I knew, I was like, man, the genre is not going my, it's not going my direction. Why do country? Maybe so. I was, I, you know, it had a, it had a rock edge to it too. You know what I mean? Like the record had a rock edge too. Cause, cause Jay did it. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was just, it was just sonically different, you know? And, and, um, and so, yeah, man, I mean, like, and like said, it just like Brent was saying, how, how did he say it to you? Where it was just like, man, you can't control he it. He said or...
0: country music is going to do what country music does.
1: Yeah. And and that's, and that's such a true way to put it, man. And it's just like, it's got a mind of its own. And there's a lot of people out there guessing, which are trying to guess which way it's going to go. And uh, I mean, sometimes you're right, but I, I think the majority of the time you're wrong. You know? Okay.
0: So if I sat here and said that, it's not country and that it's got Nelly rapping in it. And I'm not saying that Nelly's not awesome. I could listen to his St. Louis and his album is rap albums. I grew up on that stuff. I love NWA. I love a lot of hip hop. I love Eminem. I think he's a genius. I truly do. And I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but I really think Eminem is a genius, but it's not country. Eminem doesn't get played on country radio. Nelly mm-hmm. shouldn't be played on country radio. Now, who am I to say that? I'm a nobody. I understand that 5th, 16th and 17th Avenue and the executives and the button pushers are going to control that, but if you're going to be in country music, let's make it country music has been my point. So I don't think if, I don't. I could sway and drink a cold beer to a Florida Georgia line, but I would never buy a ticket, and I'm not afraid to say that. I'm allowed to say what I like and who I like, but in your instance you kind of have to be careful, am I right? You can't voice your honest opinion about who you like and who you don't dislike because you never know when you're going to get a cut that's going to make your income and your livelihood skyrocket. And FLG is hot as heck, and they've got had some really good gold records and big sellout tours, and like I think was at, like had the record before Sam Hunt, who's another guy that is country when you meet him, but his songs don't sound real country, so why are they on country radio when they're more poppy and hip-hoppy? There's just all those questions are like, what happened to just country music? Why can't we just have country music? And that, I guess that's being on a soapbox, but I'm thinking you were too country. The timing might've still been there, but it was starting to go down that that avenue that you're talking about. But now here you are making your living as this badass, hot as hell song, songwriter. And you can't really say, well, I don't like their music, but because you might get a cut by who you
1: don't like. Oh yeah. And I mean, I, I think you got, I mean, you definitely, you have your opinions. And but and here's the thing: it's funny, man. I was more opinionated when I first got into it. If this makes sense, it's like because I kind of, you know, I, I came from I had a band in college or whatever. And I was, as my coach, my football coach used to say, it's full of piss and vinegar. And you're like, I think you, you it's like, I got it figured out. And the thing that I've learned, like, going on, like, wor- like w- especially working with all these guys, it's like, regardless of, and I get it from a listener standpoint, but as a, like, as, the, as a creator, like, where you're trying to, like, we're trying to create something here, I see, like, everybody, I will say this, everybody is so talented in their own right, for the most part, you know what I mean? Like, everybody, regardless of if it's somebody's cup of tea or not, like, the, what, like, everybody is is very good at what they do and that's what makes it different you know what i mean like regardless of what what gets played you know what radio decides to play is like man that's way above my pay grade you know what i mean i got i got nothing i can just write the songs that i write and 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 kind of just go from there really you know um but like even like i said even aside like those guys it's like man it's like Golly, you know, I don't like these records. I don't like those records. And it's like, man, the more people that I'm around, it's like everybody's really talented in their own right, and and that that blows me away day in and day out. I'm I'm not just blowing smoke, you know.
0: So with that being said, when if you can put people in boxes of like, all right, these guys are talented and they do this, this girl's awesome, she's got mad skills and she does this, do you go into a co-write or when you sit down to come up with a song idea, Randy Montana, do you kind of have an idea who you're writing that song for to start off with? Like if you're like, man, I think I can get another Luke cut with this or this this is right up Eric Church's, even though Eric is a songwriter too and so is Luke and Eric probably likes to be on a lot of his cuts, do you kind of have an idea of who you're you're writing for before you start.
1: Some days, you know what I mean. We'll, we'll go in and like um, a lot of publishers will send out like it's it's like a it's like a cut sheet. It's like who's getting ready to go in and, and record, and we'll go in and um, so you look at the cut sheet and you go, okay, well, so and so is going to be recording in uh, a month and a half or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And and some days you aim for it. Um, me personally man i don't have a ton of luck doing that um i it, it it's more about the song for me it's like a, a a good idea a great idea and then something you really something you really feel you know what i mean something that you know it's like like people always say it's like write what you know it's so and it's really true man it's like don't try to write something you don't know about it's like write what you know man when you when you get on those ideas and those songs um, those seem to be the best. You know, I had a um, I got a song that's on the new Luke Bryan album, and the boat song. It's called Thanks, man. It's called for it's called for a boat for a boat. It's awesome. Thank you, thank you very much. And uh, but man, it, it comes from a a, a a personal place. You know what I mean? It's like that song was like that was how I grew up. You know, it's like dad took me fishing all the time. You know, he's out writing songs, delivering pizzas, trying to make it happen, just put food on the table for a family. And it's like, yeah, I'd have given anything to have a boat back then, but you know, I'm I'm grateful for that, for, for those experiences, you know what I mean? For that time and the way that it all wound up panning out. But um, we didn't go in that day going, Hey man, this would be a really good Luke Bryan idea. Like it was just like, man, let's write a, let's write a really good, that's a, that's a killer thought. You know what I mean? It's a killer idea. It's like, let's let's write a badass song around that you know
0: so i don't know if i want to ask you that one right now but i want to talk to you about your art at the beginning of this when i said are you still trying to break as an artist i know how songwriting is so awesome i always tell everybody what a science what a talent and brent's again is always like well you could write a song old buddy and i'm like no i can't i can't take three and a half minutes and get what you just did with keep them on their toes or what you've done with like we'll talk about your hits. I don't want to let them all out right now, but you've done it with songs to where you're like, man, that's like an anthem now. That's like put your drink, your red solo cup or your cold beer up in the air. And you're like, this thing right here has never broke my heart. And like that thing was being sung around before COVID. That was like the hottest song in America. It's like long neck ice, cold beer, never broke. Like that becomes an anthem to where I know you're an artist, but is there a part of Randy Montana that sits at home when you're, when the lights are out And it's lonely time, that wishes that you were the one being recognized as singing it because very rarely unless you get inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame or unless you're in the circle when you walk into a concert or Tortuga or any of the big festivals, wherever it might be, I bet you 90% of the people in that crowd raising their drink to that song thinks that luke combs came up with it he wrote it he sings it it's his idea like i don't know if they really understand what goes into the songwriting process does part of you wish that you were the deliverer of that song in the in the limelight and the spotlight was on you more do you ever get that in your psyche
1: man i'll say this 26 year old me definitely you know what i mean but man like I'm I'm happy with the way things have turned out. You know what I mean? I'm I'm happy with I'm so glad I got that experience of going out and like chasing that dream because that's helped. That's helped me be better now as a songwriter, kind of understanding the, the the live aspect of of a of an artist's show. It's like, "Hey man, you know, you need a you need a banger that you can play out of the gate." You know what I mean? Like that helps, but it's like Man, no, I'm not. And 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 i and I. Here's the thing: it's like I love to play live still. Like I love to play shows. I'm I, I'm I'm thinking about doing a full band thing here soon, just in Nashville. And and it's like it's fun because it's back to it the way that I fell in love with doing it in the first place. Which was, man, I just like to play. Like when I was in college, we put a band together just to go play fraternity parties because it was fun. I didn't really care about making money. You know what I mean? Like I just did it just because I loved playing all night and and drinking beer while we did it you know what I mean like it was just I loved it you know and, and if we made a little money great but um, so no I, I love the spot now I love being it's, it's funny man we were in um, we went and saw so kind of right when beer never broke my heart I think it had just come out maybe we uh, me and my wife went and saw him at um, uh, what's the CMA fest in, in big country music festival here in Nashville where every artist plays and, you know, it's, it's just, it's music everywhere. And it's, it's a really cool deal. Well, at night, the big, the big time acts play at, um, Nissan stadium, which is where the Titans play. And man, we went over there and, and, and got tickets or whatever. And I went out front and, um, we were standing there. We were kind of standing in the middle and the, and the whole stadium was packed and we're standing there and Luke was on and, and he closed the show with uh beer. Never broke my heart. And I'd never, I'd seen him play it in clubs, but I'd never seen him play it in like an arena or a, or a stadium setting, you know? And, um, and so it was, it was so cool, man. It was like, he goes in that chorus and the whole The whole stadium was just like you could hear everybody just screaming the words to it when the chorus came on, you know, and I don't know why I did this. I was standing next to this younger guy. um, And this is usually not like me, but I leaned over to him and I said, uh, I said, hey, man, I wrote this song. And uh, he looked at me and he goes, I did, too and i laughed and turned around and i was like man that's exactly how i wanted that to go down like it was it was perfect man it, like i i died laughing but it was like that's a pretty clever response i know no he's a sharp dude he's he's a sharp sharp thinker did man. you know him uh, or
0: was he a stranger no he's a total stranger <laughs> total stranger oh i did too everybody in this whole stadium wrote that song right I mean, yeah, dude
1: it was it was so funny but then but that's to your point man it's like dude i kind of like I like that idea. Standing there, going, "It's like I know how it went down," and but it's there's something cool about watching that. Kind of like you got a bird's eye view of the whole thing. You know what I mean? You get to watch and songs take on a life of their own. Man, it's like from where that song started to what it turned into is, is a pretty wild story, you know?
0: Well, I want to hear that, but I I have one, just one thought before that. And I always bring this up in podcasts with guys like you or girls that I have on in this industry, in this sector. Last time I'll bring this man up, Brent Cobb is he as good as I say he is to the world? Because I'm constantly saying he's the best songwriter that I've ever like watched or watched like the song after song from shine on to digging holes to the stuff he's doing. Now when he sings, he's got a swagger, the chicken dance, the elbows in the air, the real subtle Georgia with the long hair and just, you know, Hey, um, and I just like, when I saw him a bunch of times with Chris and with Marty out on the road, I loved watching just him, but am I off on this? You've been in Nashville since you were three. You're now 34, or 35. You've been there 32 years. Is he as good as I think he is, or am I blinded, or
1: am I jaded by it? No, I, I think Brent's brilliant, man. It's like we were, we were writing – me and Brent were writing quite a bit. I mean, back before – like I think my my record deal had come to an end, and he was he was trying to get his thing going, and and he was trying to get a deal, and, and and it was. He's one of those guys, man. It's like what's Brent speaks Brent language, and not just in the way that he talks, but it's in the way that he writes too. And and he's got a way and like a, a cadence, like you're saying. It's like that Georgia thing. It's the, it's that. He's got that down home cadence a well, lot. I heard a guy, I heard one of the players that was playing on his record. They called his, they called his music. They called it mushroom country. And I was like, yes, that's definitely mushroom country. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's got that vibe, man. And like, no, I, I, I'm a huge Brent fan just as a person. But then on top of that, man, like dude, singing, songwriting, like that's its own thing. And, and, uh, and he owns it. You know what I mean? Like he owns it.
0: So then the world deserves to hear his music like they deserve to hear yours. And if it's not being played on radio now that we have streaming and we have different ways of getting that music, doesn't artists like brent Cobb ever break in this in the big scheme of things or does he develop that cult following like a country or like a texas style or a red dirt style wood that's not necessarily let's blown up you know pat green was really big in texas and i listened to him a lot then he got wave on wave and moved to nashville and tried that and it was almost like he got kicked out of country almost it was almost like almost like he lost the support of his texas fan base too for trying to go mainstream does brent stay small cult following because at one time that's all eric church had was a cult following at one time that's all zbb had was a cult following from georgia before chicken fried hit does he stay like this forever or does an artist like that ever have a chance in today's breaking of an artist
1: world you no know, like like you're saying it's like the, the the biggest the guys that have the longest careers it seems like are the ones that do have that like the cult following beforehand, it's like, everybody's like, you know, you got a handful, like I said, it's not, it's not in the mainstream yet, but they have that, they've got that cult following. And then, like you said, one of those songs pops for whatever reason, there's nobody knows why, but it's like one of them pops. And it's like, I I look at Brent as one of those guys, you know what I mean? Like in 10 years you'll, you'll look back and go, man, you remember when he was, when he was playing like, you know, whatever club that you go to see. And it's like, man, remember when he was just doing this room here? And it was like, it wasn't all the way full. Like maybe it was like 75% full or something. I think Brent's one of those dudes that like, you look back and and you'll say that about in. God, that's so awesome to hear. Yeah, I I do. I mean, he's just, he's that talented, man. Just, it just takes here. Like it was like Chris Stapleton, man. It's like, dude, that guy, he was doing the steel driver stuff. And it's like everybody up and down 16th and 17th knew that that guy was one of the most talented guys alive. It just took everybody hearing him. It, it took, you know, the CMA awards with Justin Timberlake oh. and man, that moment, like you can point to that moment and go, there it was, you know what I mean? And, and that's, there's not many acts you can do that with, but like, man, when it does, it's like, that's a, that's a powerful thing, you know? And, um,
0: I remember yeah. sitting, I remember sitting in it over In West Nashville with Leith Lofton, and he plays Steel Drivers like 10 years ago. And I'm like, who is that? He's like, this is the best singer in Nashville. And then a few years later, I go on this run with Drake White, and then we did a radio tour down to like the Gulf Shores and down into Florida through Alabama and stuff. And Chris was on it. And he had a song going to radio called What Are You Listening To? and. And I was like, God, that doesn't even sound like a Chris Stapleton, like, like what, he, what I'm used to hearing with the, the, the you know, the Steel Drivers. It went from Steel Drivers and like Gary Allen's hit, you know, Drinking Dark Whiskey and Telling White Lies and the Adele song and all that, to that real, you know, that bluegrass Kentucky sound. All of a sudden, it was kind of a poppy feel to this song, What Do You Listen To? And it didn't do good at radio. And mm. then Traveler comes out. And then the Justin Timberlake thing hits when he hit, si- sings the the whiskey and then he sings his song about whiskey and uh, Jack and Jim and all that. And boom, like everybody in the industry was looking up there like, holy shit, country music might still be around. You know, it was almost that kind of a vibe.
1: For sure, man. Yeah, those and 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 that's what going I mean, that's that's to your point about what you were talking about, like, like, man, Brent's that kind of guy. He just needs that he just needs that moment whatever that's going to wind up everybody's moments different you know what i mean and like but it'll happen at some point in time because i mean that guy i got him quit you know what i mean and so um but yeah I, let, like, me just, let
0: me just put it this way randy montana i just love the way his music makes me feel totally. That's it. Like when I listen to it, I just feel alive and I feel like it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to live. You know, it's like all his music just hits me like that. And I just, I don't, I know, I know this podcast is with Randy Montana, but you, you play, you work with these guys. You are on their level. You're in a room. Like I've heard things like it's. It's not easy to get in the room with a Brent Cobb and you're in there with him and he puts you on his, the same levels he is. And he says the same kind of good stuff about you. When I talk with Brent, that's why I wanted to meet you. And then when Damon got me the opportunity, I was like, man, I've been, I know I've known your songs for a long time. I come to Nashville a lot every year and I'm always here in Randy Montana, Randy Montana. And then boom, we click and we get to hang out on over zoom and I know it'll turn into more in the duck blind and all of that. But I just think that like, there's this. Huge mutual respect between these guys that are making Nashville pop right now, and I think that there's a the the ones that I'm really watching that I that I pray are like, why can't Randy Montana get be the artist that he can be? But then on the other side of it, you got all these number one hits that you're making a killing on, and I'm not I don't care about your financial, but your 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 stock and st- songwriting is going up because you're the magic man right now. You're writing number one hits for artists, and that's what a songwriter is intention is. I know that you say, you know, I just care about the song. I'm going to write how I feel that day, but to make money at it, you got to have some hits, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the name of the, that's the name of the game. And that's why I say, it's like, man, I'm happy that it worked out this way. Is cause like, dude, it's, it's hard to get, you know, it's hard to get one or the other going like the, the, like being the artist, being the guy on the road, like, um, selling out shows and things like that and selling a ton of records. Like it's, it's hard to get that going. Like there's a lot of people that come to town to try to do that and it doesn't work, but it's also hard to get the, the writing side going too. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, that's a long hard road as well. And so it's, it's kind of like when you get one or the other going, when you get one, when one starts going, it's like, man, I couldn't see myself like walking away from, from writing. Like I, like I have, man, it's just like, it's because, honestly, I think that was kind of what I was supposed to do. You know what I mean? And so now it's working, and and people are cutting the songs, and and they're you know, Lord willing, we'll have more hits, and and um, but it's good when you get one one rolling like that. How does it
0: come, How does it start then? With let's you take a Apollo thirteen movie quote that's a, a huge quote in American history, right? About Houston, we have a problem. This is referring to our space technology, NASA, the space shuttle launches, things of this nature. What is What happens when you, you put a redneck word in there like gotta, like you've changed the word to gotta, right? Houston? we got a problem and it, it turns into being about a guy missing a girl, right? That's that's in Houston and he's in his hotel room alone with a beer, whatever it is. How does that idea even come up? Because that quote has been around forever. How all of a sudden do you make it a smash for Luke? And it, it, I don't know where it climbed to, but it got in the top 10, right?
1: He, I don't know if he ever singled that one, but that, cause that was on his first, he didn't single it. That was on his, I think that was on his first record. I believe was that on his first record. Yeah. No, he, he never, he never singled that one, but man, it's just like, he, he, I remember he came in, we were writing that day and he came in and says, Hey, I got, he had been in like, the story's true. Like he had been in Texas and he had met, he had just met his now wife. They just got married uh, last week or week before. Um, but he had just met Nicole and he walked in and um, he had been in Texas. He'd been in Houston and uh he's like, man, I got this crazy idea for a song. Cause even when he said, he says, what if the title was Houston, we got a problem. And we started, we kind of laughed about it. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like, and then we, we got to thinking about it and it was like, oh man, like, what if we got a problem with the city of Houston? But the only reason we got a problem with Houston is because the, the girl you're missing isn't there. You know what I mean? Like it's got, it's got everything you'd want other than the, the, she's the only thing missing, man, if she was here, it'd be perfect, you know? And so, man, I don't know. And and that just comes from the, from writing songs, dude, honestly, it's like the, the he, he had the idea and then, but it's like how you get there is, is obviously the, the hard part, you know what I mean? Like it's getting back to that.
0: That whole concept you just said is kind of difficult to me because you're, you're, you're kind of reporting back to Houston like, hey, we got a problem out here. We need help. But now you're turning it around saying, hey, there's an issue with this town right now because my girl ain't here. I want right. to go to sushi, but she's not here. I want to go fishing in Galveston, but she's not here. I want to go have a beer up on the needle, but she's not. So that's kind of a complicated deal to turn it around and find the wordsmithing that, that, that'll take the listener in and out of this and weave in and out of this story of how bad this guy's missing Nicole is sometimes you talk, I talked to Justin Moore a couple weeks ago and he's like, Oh yeah, we wrote, we, we just wrote this, uh, why we drink in like 30 minutes or whatever? And I'm like, what? Like the dude's going to have a number one hit and it took you and DLM and what uh, the other guy's name, 30 minutes or whatever to write a hit. Like, I guess some of them come fast, but Houston, we have a problem. That is, what is that? Is that a, is that a, a couple
1: months deal with a complicated song like that? No, I mean, we, we wrote it that day, but wow. um, we, we finished it in a day, but it was like, yeah, man, I, I mean, you're exactly right. Some of them, some of them happened super quick. Like beer never broke my heart was really quick, but like, um, yeah, it's funny, man. Some of those, some of the ones that just fall out it's just like go it's like you're like uh ron burgundy sitting there after they got in the uh, in the brawl outside and they're all sitting there drinking a, a hot life and they're like wow that escalated quickly you know what i mean <laughs> like like you're kind of sitting there and it's like wow it's i can't believe it's over but um but yeah then there's others it, like houston i remember we, we we took a that that took some time you know what i mean like that took a lot of that day to to write that tune and um yeah I, d- I don't know why some of them just decide to fall out like sometimes they do man and those are those are my favorite days believe me when it's just kind of like ding and it's like here we go and you can't type fast enough you know um are you on are- luke's
0: single right now are you on the one that's at radio right now because he yeah. had he had six feet apart and then that went off or something and now he's got another one right
1: yeah i think the, the single right now it's loving on you right loving on you yeah yeah no i didn't write that one. you
0: were on better together though
1: Mhm.
0: That was yeah. yours. yes So you have 3 cuts with Luke?
1: I have Yeah, I have 3 cuts on Luke, yeah.
0: What what which other artists can you can you tell the audience like give me a rundown of who you have cuts with, who you've where your success has been, like where where this songwriting career is right now?
1: Yeah, um I mean going way back, I think on my first like really big cut, I I had a, a song on a George Strait record. And then, um, which was, man,
0: uh,
1: it was on the love is everything record. And it's a song called, uh, when the credits roll. Um, and then, man, I've had songs recorded by, uh, I write a lot with Riley green, right. With Luke. Give me a um, Riley green cut. Um, I wrote somewhere in a truck right now. Oh, nice. Um, Man, I've had a few on him. Um, Different Round Here is another Riley Green song I wrote. Um, And then um, Hard to Leave is another Riley Green song I wrote. Um, Different Round
0: Here is the name of his
1: album. Yeah, that's that's the title. And
0: he sang that song on this podcast. And see right right there, there's a Randy Montana song right there. Riley loves to hunt and fish. Obviously, he's not afraid to show it. But he came on here and, and we were like, man, I was just in my swimming pool listening to different round here and here I am talking to Randy Montana. You see what I mean about like I'm kind of into it. I'm I'm way more into it than most people. I love it and I respect songwriting, but here I am talking to a guy that puts those words together that I'm singing at my pool parties. That's got to be a badass feeling, man. That's got to be awesome.
1: I, I I said like my favorite times we were just we were just floating um the Harpeth Rivers just outside of Nashville and we were you know, it's, it's one of those places where like, there's a bunch of different canoe companies that'll wrench you a canoe, but we we take, we've got our own little kayaks and floats and stuff like that. So we'll just kind of, we'll DIY it and just kind of go float the river for a day. But my favorite times to hear songs is when like we were floating down the river and somebody had a radio and it was tuned into the local radio station. There was a bunch of people all around like one float and all drinking beer. And like, they were all tethered together, you know what I mean? And like floating down the river and, um, the Parker, I, I got, I wrote Parker McCollum's new single. It's called pretty heart. And it came on the radio as I was floating by. And like, man, those are like my favorite times to hear, like hear, hear my songs. It's like when it's like maybe a boat passing by, like I've heard, like "Beer never Broke my heart on, on boats passing by. It's like, those are my favorites. Cause you're seeing it, you're seeing it in action where it's like, that's why you wanted to do it to begin with. Like you're saying about like sitting there drinking by the pool. It's like, I mean, that, that's why you get into writing songs. It's like, man, I want to write the song that everybody's like drinking to by the pool or, or they got blaring as somebody's wakeboarding back behind the boat or whatever it is, man. Windows down in your truck, like riding down the road. It's like those are the times when I think it's the coolest, you know?
0: Yeah, you think it like compare it to the movie industry. I wonder if like... The people that are behind the scenes, right, that are passing by in the boat or they're tethered off on their rafts when they're on the river. I wonder if they see somebody wearing a Star Wars shirt and they're like, that's badass. I was part of that movie. They got to be right. That's like a piece of them.
1: For sure. For sure. But George,
0: George Lucas is probably like, yeah, that's, that's, that's my deal. Right. And then Han Solo and, and Harrison Ford and the guys that played Luke Skywalker and they're like, yeah, that's, you know, you probably recognize me cause I was in the movie. Right. Cause I was the face of it. But then you got guys like R2D2 and C3PO and Yoda that, that people would recognize no matter what. And they're just like, I don't know. It's just like a cool concept of like, who has a piece of it in songwriting like I got to do this right now. I'm not I, I haven't heard the song, so bear with me. Hold on. Randy Montana. This is Randy Montana's song. The king of country music saying this. And this is probably the best voice of all time in country music besides Jamie Johnson. My opinion again, Randy. Sorry for all my opinions. <laughs> I just love Jamie Johnson. Dude. <laughs> Wow. What a concept. I listened to the first verse. Here's what I got out of it. I've been the college dropout, the commitment cop out, meaning school wasn't for me relationships i failed out because commitment scares the hell out of me and now i'm wondering like when somebody's speaking at my funeral or somebody's at an open casket wake and the credits are rolling on my life what the hell is randy montana or whoever's listening to this song me right now like wonder what's going to be said about me i wonder what people are going to think about me did i leave a legacy did i leave my mark on anything am i close yeah man you're there dude that is when when it's all over what are they going to say man that is so badass, dude. Mm-hmm. I've been a college dropout, a, com, a commitment cop out. Yeah. What was the song right after the line right after that? I've been a college dropout. Uh, a coming home, prodigal son. Coming home, prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, that's sick. That's George Strait singing some stuff that you put pencil to paper with, man.
1: Congrats. Thank you, dude. That was that was that was a wild one, man. Like when you hear when you hear a guy that you've heard your whole life, you know what I mean, singing a song that that you wrote. That was cool. That did, was really did, cool.
0: It, did he put it on hold and you get an email that says, hey, George Strait has this on hold and you just lose your shit? Like, oh my god, you're running around the house just like, dad, dad, you're never going to believe, because your
1: dad had to be fired up for you, right? It's George Strait. Oh yeah, man. No, I, I, I like, I, I think I just started calling, when, when I found out he recorded it, um, I remember Brian Wright called me and says, hey, George Strait's recording your song right now, and I think I just started calling people. You know what I mean? Like I just, <laughs> I just started calling people. It's like, man, you're not going to believe this. How it's long like, ago gonna, was that? Dude, that was a while ago. that was probably two thousand twelve, maybe. God, dude, hour you hour. weren't even you weren't even thirty yet.
0: You're barely it's like yeah. twenty five.
1: Yeah, I was young. I was young.
0: How crazy I was, is that?
1: Yeah, that was wild. That was like the first big one. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but that's mm. like a bucket list, bro. That's like something that, like, uh, when you go to your when you get your credits rolling, like you should have put in there. Oh, by the way, I had a George Strait cut, and you should have made I him wrote a sing George that part. song. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right.
1: I, that'd be freaking badass, dude. Like, you gotta finish. I'll finish everything like that. It's like, oh yeah, and I wrote a George Strait. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: yeah. At the end of this pod, <laughs> at the end of this podcast, when I say any closing words, Randy, you'll be like, yeah, I wrote, I had a George Strait cut. Like that's as cool. That's a bucket list for a freaking songwriter, man.
1: yeah, Like
0: that's Dean Dillon shit. That's how Dean Dillon made his whole career pretty much for sure,
1: man. For sure. Is he he one of the best? Yeah. Oh, hands down, man. That guy's a Dean's a genius.
0: I was talking the other day to uh, Travis Denning about the song, the chair. And I guess there was, I guess there was a, a story deal when Dean was talking about writing that. And when he, I can't remember the name of the guy that he wrote it with, but, um, that one line in there may i drink you a bye and how nervous the guy is like that song's written in probably like 79 80 82 somewhere in there and to have that cleverness of can i drink you a bye or excuse, or excuse me can i like think about like they look at each other i'm just like i bet you they looked at each other and went oh yeah oh yeah we got it now we got it
1: oh absolutely man i mean like that's a thing it's like when you when you listen when you listen to, especially like, dude, when you listen to that song line by line and then it, and it comes around to the hole at the end, it's like, and that wasn't my chair. It girl. wasn't my
0: chair. And, and they you, lied to her.
1: They lied to her to get her. Like you're, yeah. you're teaching people how to do things the wrong way. You were
0: deceiving a woman to get her to go on a date with you, which you're what your parents teach you not to do. And now the king of country is literally singing that to us of like, here's how you get a girl at a country bar. <laughs> oh, by the way, that wasn't my chair anyway.
1: How many? Hey, how many guys tried that? Like after that came out, like how how often was that? How many bars was that tried in? Could you imagine that time? It was like,
0: yeah, it was like that song's hitting. The urban cowboys coming out. So now you got all these cowboys trying to dance like John Travolta, and you got you got him playing games like with with telling a girl that that's my chair. Like I, I, I would. Sometimes you know, Leith Lofton and Drake, right? Drake White had a song called 50 Years Too Late. I don't know Absolutely. if you've heard, but man, what a song, right? Absolutely, I like spring dogs and rusty screen doors, candlelight and creaky wood floors, a good yeah, sunrise and fireflies. That song, like, I often think about, like, wonder what it would be like. I mean, we were maybe we were born a little bit too late, like. I wish I could have been a little bit older to really love the outlaw movement to like be a part of that. I wish I would have been just a little bit older to understand country music when the hat pack and, and Garth was taken off in the late eighties. Like, and what was going on? You know, like I, I finally got of age in my thirties after it's all over and you finally got the hustle and bustle of college and your career's taken off. But up until then you're just listening to music cause it's music and it's beer drinking. Right. Then when you get a little bit of grounded and you're rooted a little bit, you can slow down and pump the brakes and go, man, I wish I'd have been, you know, my first concert was, was, uh, Twisted Sister opened for Iron Maiden when I was 11 in 1987 or 86 or something, 10 years old, and I just, what if I was a little bit more mature when Dee Snider was really doing his things and Ronnie James Dio was at the top of his game, you know, and when like Holy Diver was coming on in The Last in Line and Ozzy was doing his thing, and I was just this young little 10-year-old. I didn't have an idea what music was. It just sounded cool to hear Brian Johnson go, Back in Black! I hit, And when the Black album came out, I was like, holy shit, ACDC. And then in 86, when, when when, when Appetite for Destruction came out, I was I was still too young to understand music, but I was like, oh my God, listen to this Welcome to the Jungle. And now as I'm in my 40s, I would literally do anything to see Guns N' Roses live. I think they're the best band of all time. Again, opinionated, Randy. I'm sorry, but they are. And they're just badass. And their lyrics and their songwriting and their stage presence, everything they did was just freaking genius to me but i just wish i'd have been a little bit older to understand what i was really feeling like what if i would have been 25 years old on the sunset strip watching vince neal and motley crew tear it up on a friday night and then axel and slash and izzy on a saturday night i'd have been like man but i was too young i could have never got in i missed yeah. that part
1: and 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 to to make you feel better i think even if you had been of age. And that was exact. like you were, you were there. Let's say you were there. And that was it. I don't know if you would have known what you were witnessing at the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if you would have been like, great point. I don't know if you would have been like, wow, I'm, I don't I don't think you would have stood there and said, I'm witnessing history right now. You know history, what I mean? History.
0: Yeah. Could you imagine in 1992, bro, I love what you're saying. Could you imagine like 91, 92 when GNR kind of had the layoff between Appetite and then there was like, are they going to come out with another record? And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, there's ramblings. And then all of a sudden it was like, Schwarzenegger has T2 coming out. And then they're like, there's a rumor that Guns and Roses has the title track on it, and then there then there was these rumors of like, oh, they're filming a video in New York at the Roxy and the Ritz, and freaking lo and behold, you could be mine comes out. Schwarzenegger's in the video; he's carrying Axel on his shoulders after he's trying to kill him and stuff, and. Could you imagine being in that bar the night they said, we are going to film this for a GNR video. Could you imagine being a 21 year old kid in New York city, being in that thing and looking back on it? Like I was there that night or I was at the, I was at the Troubadour in LA that
1: night when they were ripping it
0: up on sunset. But you're right. You would have never known what you had,
1: man. Yeah. Yeah. I I look at like, you talk about like those, like I look at like this, the late sixties and and into the seventies, like that time period, I go late sixties all the way through the seventies, like that time period of music. I think is just like so golden. Like so much, so much went on that shaped the whole the whole trajectory of like what we're doing today. You know what I mean? And so just obviously with the Beatles and stuff like that. But then like you, like you get into those, those rock records, like in those rock acts, like, man, I'm a huge Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers fan. It's like, man, I'd have given anything. You're talking about those guys. Like I'd have given anything to see those guys back when they were long haired hippies running around Gainesville, you know, just kind of doing their own thing. And, 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 or, or right when they went packed up and went to, LA to try to make it happen you know what I mean but as as a whole as a time period it's like man I look at those those acts in the 70s and you know the eagles and stuff like that that California country thing whatever you want to call it but it's like dude that shaped so much of what went on and uh if I could pick one era to have like been in the thick of it like you're saying it's like been there for it probably would have been kind of all through there
0: yeah, I can't argue, man. You got you got Queen doing their thing, Zeppelin's getting hot, ACDC's forming, D, all the bands that you know were like the kind of made it big in the early '80s before the hair metal started and the hair right. band started with Poison and Cinderella, which I love. Cinderella, what's his first name? He lives in Nashville now. Uh, Don, is it? The lead singer Cinderella. He's a uh, he does vocal lessons in Nashville now.
1: Oh no way!
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Come on, dude. What was his name? <laughs> dude that was the mo- most underrated voice in rock i thought i mean obviously axel was amazing but that guy what is his name
1: i know yeah. tommy two Town's a teacher that he, he was teaching in williamson county for a long time the eight six seven five three oh nine guy really i used to call that number all eight six
0: seven five three oh i got to tell you this guy's name here it is uh tom Kiefer. Can you t- he did vocal lessons now. Yeah, he's my girl one of my friends worked with him but yeah, yeah anyway, um I just think that you're right. That would have been a cool time period to like cuz then you got then you got so much happening in American history too, right? You got the civil rights movement, you got Kennedy assassination in the in the mid 60s and then Martin Luther King's assassination in 68. I think JFK was more like 63. Yeah. mlk was 68 and then you move into the 70s you got the end of the vietnam war there you got everything happening at kent state and the protesting going on and then you got music of like don McLean, american pie you got credence clearwater revival you have all this like all this protest music coming out of fortunate son and and america you know like bye bye miss american pie i don't know like how genius those lyrics are you could tell me is that a g is that a, a very well-written song
1: i think so i I love that tune i mean i'd have to it's it's i love how it's one of those um and i'm sure there's all kind of hidden meanings and all that stuff but like i'm not old enough to like really get it whatever he was i don't get any of it about somebody you know what i mean like some politician or something like that i don't know but i love the song i mean i think it's genius
0: who wrote the book of love? I, the, the way it goes, like you, did the boxing match, did you watch the last heavyweight title when the Tyson Fury, he knocked oh, yeah. out, and then he right. sang that, and then he, and then he sings it at the end. He sang American Pie,
1: like every verse, or at least three verses of it. Dude, what was it? his entrance, Tyson Fury's entrance into that fight was like, I, that was the longest entrance I've ever seen. Yeah, those girls of, like he, carrying him. <laughs> and you're sitting there and you're watching it, and it's like, how much for long before he gets to the ring? It's like this is taking forever. Well, after the
0: after the bronze bomber, after Wilder got beat, he blamed it on his his forty four pound mask that he wore all the way to the walk in, and he couldn't even walk. He couldn't breathe in it. Could you imagine? Like if he knew COVID was getting ready to happen a couple short months, a short couple months later, he's like, I probably would have never put a mask on knowing I have to wear one every day now. But you he blam-
1: wear it for the rest, right? Yeah. yeah, he
0: blamed it on that mask.
1: That's he blamed so, it on. It. That was a great fight, dude definitely did not go the way that i thought it was going to
0: go do you think tyson's going to fight roy jones jr for real
1: i don't know man i saw did you, did you see that picture of him of recent dude he's like ripped
0: up. i've been watching all of his training videos he looks amazing on a heavy bag and a speed bag he's sparring right now but uh, god i just hope he doesn't do he's 54 years old
1: oh yeah oh no i'm not saying that's old but that's not boxing age no, and, and he's one of those guys, man, like, he's such a, like, man, You when you watch that dude punch, like, dude, you can feel it, the punch through the video. Like, it's, oh, it's unbelievable. God. Like how, how hard that guy can hit another guy's like, remember like Herschel Walker went and did that MMA fight. Like, I think he was kind of into his fifties and I put those guys like on that same, like athlete level where it's just like, some people are just born to do, whatever it is like Mike Tyson was just meant to throw that freaking right hook. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Or it's just like, man, he, I mean, he's, he's an animal. One he's thing an
0: animal. I like about social media is that you have these guys that, and girls all over the world that form these, I guess for better, for better lack of terms is uh for a lack of better term, I mean, is like a fan page. So they'll call their page, Guns N' Roses Brazil and then every day they post two or three like live videos that you would have you would have seen like in 1992 when they did their live concert from Paris well they get like little clips of those shows and I'm just I'm just a into a man i'm like oh man so i'm thankful that there's these people doing the research for me finding the clips all i gotta do is follow their page it's on my feed and those are really the only pages i follow and the other ones are the mike tyson fans that every day i wake up randy montana i have to watch a mike tyson fight in a knockout Uh, this his fights from like 85 to 90 before he went to prison and he got beat by buster douglas he was knocking grown men out cold like they were scared shitless to even
1: let the bell ring Oh, it's 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 unbelievable, man. There's a there's a couple co- like knockout compilations on YouTube, and like, dude, his his punches are so quick. Like a lot of them, you have to go and watch again. Like they have to go into slow motion before you can ever see what was because all of a sudden the guy's just like falling down. You're like, I didn't even see, I didn't him. see it. Wow, <laughs> know I know it's crazy. Yeah. It was, it was that right. It was that
0: right cross liver punch. Boom. And then as soon as the guy would kneel over because he was broke a rib, that uppercut would come in and the guy's head was just off his shoulders.
1: Unreal. But you're right.
0: There's some knockouts where he literally just grazes one of those big dudes top of their head and they're, and they fall down and they're out cold because he just caught him perfect on the temple or whatever. Never.
1: For sure, man. It's, it's wild. I, I was, and, and this is not him fighting, but I was watching, uh, I watched the hangover the other night and I forgot that he was in it. And remember he does the, they, they had stolen his tiger and they were in the hotel room and he's doing Ed the drums. Yeah. He's doing the drum fill that I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Yeah. Phil on, and then he, and then he knocks out, uh,
0: he Ed knocks Helms. out
2: what's his name at
1: the Ed end. Ed Helms. <laughs> yes. Like lays I'm him out. That's so hard. But yeah, man, dude, these videos of him, like you said, getting back in shape and stuff like that. It was funny, man. I listened to him on Joe Rogan and it was a great podcast. It's a great podcast. But he was kind of saying, like, even during that, he was just like, man, I got. I hated that me. I got no I got no interest in going back and doing that.
0: Well, he said he hated that part of his life. He hated that person he was when he would fight and I'm like, right, "Well, that right. person made you 330 million. I think the person you really hate is your management, Don King, the people that got you locked up. Like, what a career. Could you imagine like being 19? Keep keep this in mind. Could you imagine being 19? I guess it's kind of like the Justin Bieber effect. I mean, I guess he was huge then. Michael Jackson, but 19 years old, you have to knock out grown ass 35 year olds. And he was the undisputed unified heavyweight champion of the world at 19. By the time he was 22 or 23, he was worth $300 million and then just lost it all. In bad management, custom auto dying, Don King screwing him, the 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 rape, the allegations, the imprisonment, the loss to Buster Douglas. Like the guy went through, he was buying tigers and Bentleys like they were packages of Skittles. Like, hey, go out and get me a couple tigers, not a couple Snickers bars, a couple white tigers, and bring them back to my palace here. The guy was bought he was shadow boxing with freaking tigers, dude. He grew up in Catskill, New York, kind of where you're from, like literally in the hood. And now all of a sudden at 19, not 25, 19. A couple months out of high school, he is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Imagine, like you can't live a normal life. You just it's you're not going to tell me you ever could.
1: Yeah, my it's funny, man, because so he grew up not far from like you were saying. It's like my dad said this the other day. he Goes, man, I remember because they would always report on him because it, he was a, he was a, he was considered a local kid up there in Albany. And so dad was like, man, I remember hearing about Mike. Tyson, even as like a, even going back to when he was like 16 and 17, because he was crushing in all the junior league stuff. You know what I mean? Obviously nobody could touch him. So by the time he got, it, dad says, I remember thinking, man, cause he was so, fa- he was already so famous. You know what I mean? Even at 19, my dad was like, man, I remember. Cause we were, we always heard stuff about him cause he was local. He says, I remember thinking like, man, I hope somebody, good gets their hands on that guy because the sky's the limit like you said i mean he's he's world famous 19 years old 330 million dollars whatever he was worth and it was like galley i mean shit can go awry pretty quick when uh when you're that old and you got that much money to mess with you know what i mean Yeah,
0: people are going to take advantage of you 100 so there's your theme for our study class today randy montana is i like to give songwriting themes during these podcasts your theme today is On the Ropes. So I want you to try to think about a song that is either a, a relationship, life, being on the ropes. Maybe this time of our lives right now, a lot of us have been on the ropes financially, health-wise, scared-wise, frightened-wise, community-wise, not being able to see our friends and family except through Zoom. Let's think about a theme of just being on the ropes and how to get off of them and, and punch back. That might be like, like That's a little like study we got just off of
1: a little five-minute Mike Tyson conversation. I love that dude. And look, we'll write, here's what happened. We'll write it. I'll send it to you. I'll let you know. It's 10% for a title. So you're on there, dude. You're in.
0: Well, even if I'm not, I would still have a, I would still, when I'm in your boat with you and we go by somebody in the river and we hear on the ropes, me and you'll look at each other and just toast each other. Like, dude, over a Mike Tyson talk. That was a great day.
1: Thank you, Mike Tyson.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Mike Tyson. Thank you, Mr. Mike Tyson. Um, when you were talking about those ropes and, and tying off and tethering off, is that Barrett Hobbs' place? What's is, that? Is that is, you know Barrett Hobbs, the guy that owns a bunch of the bars, Whiskey Band, he owns uh, Doc Holidays.
1: No, I don't, I don't know Barrett. No, it wasn't there. because wasn't. Barrett,
0: Well, Barrett has a, 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 white, a, a river place up there, a lodge, where he rents out the rafts, and I'm wondering if it's the same one if it's close to Nashville.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a few of them out there. Oh, there are there a few of them. In. It's like Tippecanoe and Foggy Bottom or something like that. Those are the ones that are kind of out where we, where we go, which is out on the Harpeth River. But, Do you know um, Bobby Johnson? I don't know if I know
0: Bobby. Really? Oh, God, I wish you would let me introduce you. He is a songwriter in SOB. He runs all of Barrett's properties for him. Oh, okay, cool, man. No, I'm I don't gonna, know about him. I'm just asking Barrett real quick if he answers me back. What is name of your river? place. All right, so the big the big song that everybody knows over the last year that we were talking about was the beer song. Mm-hmm. You said it was a pretty quick write. Yeah was it I mean, was it something that was is it is it con- considered a cakewalk job for you? Was that just like one that came so easy that you're just like, bam, man. I I mean, you've broke my heart. That's broke my heart. That football team losing broke my heart. But this cold beer right here has always brought me back. I mean,
1: if you like, that's, that's the one it's like where you start with a, you just start with a great idea. It's like Luke said that he goes, well, what if the idea was beer never broke my heart? And it's like, well, that's right. Beer has never broken my heart. And so you just go through and then we just started to things. I mean, obviously you listen, I mean, you know, we just started to listen things that had broken our heart, you know what I mean? And so you kind of run that list and then, but Hey man, long neck ice cold beer and it broke my heart. And, and I think that's why it's like, when you, when you say a title like that, you go, Oh, I know exactly what that's about. You know what I mean? Like, I know I, I, he says a title like that and it's like, oh, I know that song. Let's write that song. You know what I mean? So it's he's, like-
0: he's brilliant then, right? I mean, he, you've just given me two ideas that he walks into the room with. He's not only delivering it to these, fanat- these fanatics out there now with, he's dressing in his black, he's walking around with his red solo cup, he's got his guitar around his neck, um, he's got his the columbia hat on and sometimes he even wears freaking crocs i mean like you're wearing crocs luke do you know you're wearing crocs like he's wearing crocs right he's even got a national deal with crocs he's one of the biggest country music singers in the country right now and he's not wearing cowboy right in montana there's something he's wrong with it. this There's something <laughs> wrong with this crocs crocs so anyway like he's 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 literally like intelligent like he's got it right i mean he's got some oh,
1: unbelievable luke's. ideas luke's great man he's a he's a Luke's, Luke's Luke's one of those guys man he's a great singer, he's a great songwriter. I mean he just gets it, man he knows he is knows, he a good I, guy a great dude, man he's a great hang we've hunted together, we've shot turkeys together and, and deer and stuff like that and man he's just um dude hes he's a great guy and, he's, and, he, and he and he knows his audience, man it's, and I feel like a lot of those folks that have that go to his shows they are like they've got all got a story about meeting him because he's like man he's super personable and he goes out and Meets his fans. He's he's a great guy. I mean, but just, how
0: relatable is he though? Think about how relatable he is to these kids or these twenty five, thirty somethings that are like, man, that dude ain't got no six pack. That dude, the, I mean, I, I could get there. I could do that. I mean, that guy's got a red so he's so relatable to
1: everybody, for sure, man. I, and I think I think that's what that's that's where he wins, man. Is like, you know, you talk about like. I felt like for a little while he was the under, like, I felt like he was the underdog and I used to tell him, like, I remember telling him that I'd be like, dude, your thing is that you are the underdog. You know what I mean? Like that's where, that's why your fans love, they, they love, everybody loves to cheer on the underdog. And right now you're the underdog. It's like, now it's not that way anymore. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's crushing it right now. He's on top, you know, but um, for a while, it was that way, man. And, 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 but like you said, dude, he's, he's so relate. He's just a dude. He's, he's, relatable that's what that's what people love about luke you know
0: does does luke does luke combs luke Bryan, jason aldean chris stapleton the guys pre-covid that were hot as hell the guys that were selling out arenas eric was doing the double the double up tour whatever it was called Mm -hmm. do they stay relevant after COVID, Randy Montana, is it going to be easy? Are are country music fans going to be ready to come back in masses to go to a show and to put their red solo cups back in the air for Luke Combs when he's singing Beard Ever Broke My Heart?
1: I think so, man. I just can't imagine. I think people want, everybody wants that, the concert experience. You know, we talk about like, we we're talking about this the other day where it's like a lot of, you know, starting to do like live stream shows. But, man, it's to your point about if you were there when Axel Rose was at the Viper Club and you got to see that firsthand, like, man, in person is where it's at. You know what I mean? Like, you can't. There's no way to recreate that energy of a a live setting. And so to your question, yes, man, I, I I don't think that stuff goes anywhere. And in fact... I think it's one of those things, just like we're starting to see with college football, it's like, man, if if my college football goes away this year, next year, I'm not going to miss a game. (laughs) I'm going to watch every late night Pac-12 game. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like. See, if
0: if you were where I'm from, you'd be like, well. I'd rather go duck hunting on a Saturday in the fall. And I hope that when if they do get canceled, I hope a lot of those guys get to go hunting again instead of being weirdos with purple and yellow face paint on their face to cheer on the Tigers or the Auburn Tigers, the LSU. T- like, SEC football is absolutely out of their mind, freaking whack job crazy. I went to some games in Arkansas and Fayetteville for the Razorbacks, and I come I come from a college of, like, just okay football. Better baseball, I mean – unbelievable basketball at one time with UNLV, dude, it's not, it's like not even on the same page how crazy Southerners are. And I'm wondering if like, if I would have went, if I would have got a scholarship to play baseball at Arkansas or LSU or somewhere, like, I wonder if I would have turned into one of you crazy bastards. Like you're not from there, but you're transplanted. And I know that you're in there now, but like, you don't, that's crazy shit, dude. The tailgates to this, to the, to the end of the game. That's crazy.
1: It's, I I will say this, man. It's like for anyone like, please, like, come after COVID's over, come down for a Saturday in the South. Like, it is, and, 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 it, like, dude, I'm a huge Tennessee fan. I grew up in the state of Tennessee. Go Vols. But, like, I've, I've also got a thing. It's like, man, I want to go to a night game at every SEC stadium. Like, I just want to see, regardless of if Tennessee's playing, you know what I mean? Like, it's, and it's because it's not just for the game either. It's like, dude, down at Ole Miss, like, um, oh, what do they call it there in the, the, anyway, it's just like, dude, their tailgate setup is like, it's amazing. Like LSU's the same way. It's like, I was talking to the the president. This was, this was maybe three or four years ago, but I was, I, I, I happenstance, like it was the most bizarre thing. I was standing outside of Eric church's bus and the president of LSU walked up and was like, Hey, I'd like to meet Eric church. And, At first I was kind of like, yeah, sure, man. I think a lot of people would, you know what I mean? It's like, but I'm not going to be the guy to knock on the bus door, you know what I mean? But uh, anyway, he's like, it wound up, he was the, uh, he was the president of LSU. We were talking, we got, I was like, no way. We got to talking about football and all that. And he goes, man, he goes, I had to start closing campus because we'd have the stadium fits a hundred thousand people. He goes, I got 175,000 people on campus that aren't even students here for a game weekend. He goes, they were showing up on Tuesday for big games. He goes, I had to, I had to tell everybody they couldn't set up shop until Thursday or Friday.
2: And I was like, golly man, these fans are, we're like, they're, it's just a way. It's like, yeah,
0: it's like the campus becomes there. This is true for, you know, like even up north a little bit in Lincoln at one time when the Cornhuskers were strong, but mainly yeah. SEC, those campuses become like the second or third largest city in the state for that day. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the population of that campus is bigger than every other city in the state besides maybe New Orleans, right? Maybe yeah. Baton Rouge, but that college campus is that powerful. You imagine yeah. the, the, just the revenue. Could you imagine yeah. if a stadium like that could sell beer?
1: I don't think it can. They, they well I think this is this was supposed to be the first year that they kind of started there's a few college colleges that were doing it and it may it was either this year it might have been last year really but a few of them went ahead and they tried it out man
0: I mean I don't, I don't know how it went out here to, in the out here in the land of casinos and brothels and prostitutions legal where i live and gambling and i mean like i live in sin everything right i can't believe that i'm talking to a bible belt guy that that and and trying to sound like i've I've grew up in sin in the sin of everything and and we have like you could every every around every inch of the stadium is a beer stand and liquor stand at our colleges right there was always beer beer adam but yeah sec man it's crazy but I think that, you know, the main theme of what I wanted to get today is just like how talented and how hot and like how hard work pays off man because it would be my dream to be able to sit down and write a hit I just think it's the coolest thing to be a songwriter that can tell a story in three three and a half four minutes and make somebody feel the way that songs do and um, there's a lot of good music coming out now that I that that I don't want to sound like well there's a lot of you know most country music's not country there's a lot of good music coming out I really like a lot of the stuff that's coming out thank God for Luke Combs I think Justin Moore stuff is amazing obviously Stapleton is Stapleton's a little different because I can't go to a Chris show and stand there and be like rah rah sing along like that he's dark man like those songs are like you got you just got to sit there shut up and know that you're there to listen and that's it you could hear a pin drop in there but there's a lot of good music coming out and you're right in the thick of it man you're writing songs for Luke Bryan who I think has like 35 number ones now you're working with churches you're working with Luke Combs you're working with the the guys that are giving Americans and people around the world because country music is probably the biggest form of music now you guys you're you're helping give people an an out a a relief some therapy something to let them smile about live off of for three minutes it might be just to ride home in a car after a shitty day at the office when a cold beer comes on. Cold beer never broke my heart. Come on. And that guy just turned into fricky. I'm going to get home and skip rope and freaking mow my lawn and treat my family right, even though I just had a terrible day. And that's what music does. That's why we put it in our headphones when we work out, when we're mowing the lawn, we're listening to a song. That's why we go to country concerts and stand in dirt and mud and rain and sleet and snow so we can see these guys come on and sing the words that you're coming up with and putting down man i think it's badass so congratulations randy montana no
1: thank you so much man thanks for the kind words i appreciate that
0: yeah man well that's what music's all about and um when when people ask you to sing songs randy montana do you sing the ones you've written for artists do you sing your original what all of the stuff you sing is originals because you write them what do you like to sing if i said can you play us one or two randy montana songs is there one that you'd say yeah i want i want to play this one or would you rather me say i want to hear this
1: oh i mean well it makes it easier for me to choose it okay, makes it you choose. To choose when you go hey i want to hear this one you know what i mean why well, i just,
0: uh, I, I, just well, I, i want people to know what you've written because what i want people to have a takeaway from this like this i mean you did write arguably the biggest song of last year i mean that song's huge to me that song was being sang everywhere i mean you said you watched seventy thousand people sing at nissan stadium that's got to be a cool ass feeling man
1: it's very cool very yeah. cool yeah, man. No, I dude, whatever whatever you want to hear. If you want me to play just one I love or or I'll play beer, whatever whatever you want to hear. Play man, one you love
0: and then play us out with beer. Okay, cool. And then we'll say goodbye. Not goodbye. Just buy until the duck blind. That's hey, will, you do, do. will you do me a favor after this though? Will you text Luke and say, Belding says you need to need to chill out on the Crocs? <laughs>
2: I'll tell him. I'll tell him he said so.
0: Do you think he would do you think that he would send the uh flip-off little the what do they call The pictures? The yeah. uh the, the the emoji middle finger? Yeah, the emoji middle finger. He'll probably send that back.
2: Yeah. No, he
0: would. <laughs> He's like, man, they're comfortable. I love that. Yeah, they're comfortable and they're easy to get in and out of.
2: That's right.
1: Um here, I'll play you one. I'll play you. I, I wrote this song about growing up, and um, uh, actually, you were talking about Justin. Justin Moore recorded this tune, and um, it was on his—I think it was on his last record that he put out. Um, but yeah, we wrote the song about growing up. So I—I I love to do this one just because it's like, like I said, it's kind of—it's close to close to the heart, you know.
0: Yes, sir.
2: Daddy drove the bobcat, mama Poured coffee at the cast iron Skillet the shared the same lot as The code. I remember Me and my brother bussin' Out the screen door like a couple Wild Indians ten speeds for Horses as fast as We could go And I Ain't ashamed At how I was raised couldn't wipe the dirt and dust or smile off my face I still got the scars From growing up hard And there ain't a barefoot summer gone by That I ever change About this old out in the rain shooting empty coke cans in a cold water with a ten-pong gun. We was up cool we in the Marlboro stealing out of daddy's new packs to get the back of this callous Oh, I can still feed they could and I ain't ashamed that how I was really
0: came off of um kind of don't care right that was in that came yes. off kind of Kinda care yeah so yeah. Was that, hey when you listen to this go get that justin moore album and rebel kids on there by randy montana did you come up with the line of Zebco reeling marlboro stealing to get the back of daddy's callous hand <laughs>
2: I, yeah i'm sure we yeah we did man yeah
0: who'd you write that with me and my buddy dan so Zebco Zeb, cool. reeling, you got to know your way around a kid's fishing pool and the, 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 how famous and popular Zebco is. And then you got the, 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 the word callous. So you got a working man dad. You got a, a blue-collar dad that's working. His hands are callous from being a plumber, digging ditches, being a carpenter, whatever. He's t- using his hands to make the money for the family to put food on the table. And he will slap your ass backhanded style if he catches you stealing his cigarettes
2: that's right dude
1: i like that you broke it down that way because then you go man you got you guys got a lot in those two lines right there right you know what i mean like it's awesome it's a lot awesome. of information, right? That was kind of early in the song, and
0: I was over here taking notes like a school kid, going, Holy shit, that's what I'm talking about. Songwriting is that zepco Reeling. Well, I'd be sitting there going, Well, I was in a John boat and I was throwing a line out and I was fishing, but you say it simple, just like that, Zipco Reeling. Kind of like in the new Justin Moore cut with Why We Drink is we're John boat sitting with the line out. And I'm like, that's another way of saying Zepco Reeling, but in just a cool ass way, right? Oh, that's man. badass,
1: dude. You're exactly see you could write a song. See?
0: Shit. Yeah, after I hear it, after I hear it done, I'm like, I'm just gonna copy that. I'm just gonna go, uh, I'm just gonna come up with a, a, another fishing brand and put it in there instead of Zepco.
2: Right. And that's fine, man. That's <laughs> that's what we're doing,
0: right? Dude, that is so freaking awesome, man. Hey, nice. but real quick before you do this, Justin Moore's bad to the bone. And here, here's a question for you. Lots of number one hits, nine or ten. This might be his ninth one that's getting ready to hit right now with Why We Drink. He's had an awesome career. Why, why isn't somebody like Justin a bigger headliner? What does it take to be what is the difference between a hit maker and then the guy that can go and sell out two 25,000 seat stadiums or whatever two nights in a row like eric church is the fan base different or Is is there just different segments of this industry that some guys got the touring but there are the hit makers like justin But I could sit and listen to justin morse sing the phone book. He's so good
1: I know man, I, I and I and dude your guess is as good as mine on that like I don't know I don't know why some things connect like that and why others like like because like you said it's like man the guys the the guy's been out since since i mean for years you know what i mean and and like i said he's had hits and and multiple hits and um yeah i i I mean dude your guess is as good as mine on that i have no clue why certain things go boom and are and are just like out of the box massive and they're doing arenas in no time and why some careers are just steady eddie just kind of just keep, keep on going you know what but I you're mean? saying
0: that there's still a chance that justin moore can be that arena guy just like there's a chance that 10 years from now brent cobb is doing the same thing that we're talking about
1: absolutely man absolutely that's man. so I cool think it's, just, it's 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 you never know that what that next song is to take those guys like remember when or al i remember jason aldean had when he came out with um remember he came out with big green tractor david when, lee like, murphy your yeah, song was massive massive Massive, and that sent that sent Jason into another. I mean, he was already kicking ass, but like, dude, it sent him into another stratosphere. It seemed like to How me. How good is
0: David Lee Murphy, Randy Montana?
1: David Lee Murphy might be the coolest guy alive. I don't know if you've
0: hung with David Lee Murphy. No, That's will you introduce? Will you introduce him to me? Will you just ask him if you can introduce him to me? I just want to say hi to the freak guy. Will you at least ask him, Randy?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, do
0: uh, that. He would have fun on this podcast, I'm telling you, because I, I would be able to rap with him about, I went to a show in Montana last summer and watched him play, and it was like a storyteller deal where he told the story of the song before he did. It was full band, and he just stand up there and went, and he played all the hits that he's written, but and i said this on so many podcasts so please audience don't call in or write in and say stop talking about dust on the bottle when that song comes on you just know that you're getting ready to have a fun five minutes right like that is one of the best songs ever written in my opinion am i wrong about that
1: no no, no. no. and when that song comes on now like to this day like it sounds great great on the radio you know what i mean it God, just, i love that song great,
0: will you at least ask him hey i want to just make an introduction if you if you approve because i know that he's like a unicorn but when you see him you're like dude the hair the flannel you're just wearing wranglers with boot you're just david you're david lee murphy you're so down to earth and so humble but you're like he could arguably be go down as the best songwriter of all time maybe i don't know dean Dillon. there's guys with a lot of hits but man david lee murphy has written some smashes dude he sure has
1: dude and like you said man like dude he's just cool man he's 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 awesome are you like, good
0: enough buddies with him to at least say hey i got this buddy chad that does a hell of a podcast he, he knows music he's got a lot of passion for it. Oh would yeah. you would, maybe you could just text him and say hey do you mind an intro or it, maybe he'll say tell the psycho to relax and to go back in his mom's basement i don't know <laughs> what he's gonna say <laughs> Or maybe he'll say, dude, maybe he'll say, dude, I've heard of this life ain't for everybody. I was getting ready to write a song. Well, you, I don't know if you know how I got the name for this, but in 2008, I went to my first hunting show in Nashville out at Opry Gaylord, Gaylord Opry Center. And I was the first time I ever got taken to Midtown and I went into losers and I'm standing there watching the band and right behind the band. If you think about it, if you, if you remember this right here, I don't know if I can find it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. I probably won't, but there's a sign right behind the pit where the band sits. It says this life ain't for everybody. And I'm like, I go, I'm going to try to trademark that. So I did and I got the trademark and then I started this brand about podcasting and I got a TV show and a book kind of deal going with it. But it's not about like what you do is impossible or what I do is impossible. It's about all these different walks of life that make up your lyrics, man. You know how many different walks of life listen to these lyrics that you just sang in rebel kids and go Holy shit, dude, that's me. That's what this life ain't for everybody is. In Nashville, it means going to the honky tonks and staying up all night and drinking your eyes out of your head and writing songs and trying to make it. That's what it means there, I'm sure. And that life's not for everybody for sure. That'll kick the shit out of you and send you a, it'll pack your, it'll make you pack your bags in a hurry, right? anyway man i i love talking to guys like you man because i wish i was in nashville with you right now and we could go out and just get a beer and sit out on a deck right now and i could just listen to you talk about songwriting i just want to learn how to do
1: it absolutely absolutely well dude as soon as all this shit's over with man come on you're you're
0: coming you're coming with me hunting this fall so we'll do it there for sure yeah dude absolutely yeah you and damon are coming with me come on man
1: yeah we'll do it there dude we'll do it around the campfire i can't wait be awesome all right so this
0: is the luke comb smash hit cold beer never broke my heart
1: that one? yeah
0: i don't know where so, is this one you were going into i thought you were but you want to do another one i'll do i'll listen to you all day
1: let's do that one let's do that one it don't matter to me it's the one that changed it all right did it change it all for you yeah i mean it was my i mean it was my first you know what i mean like it was my first hit and so uh um yeah man i mean it's get the first that first hit song high man there's there's really uh there's nothing like that you know i think all those guys remember their first you know i think it's a, it's never happened before you know what i mean like it's a, it's a is, does it just
0: become a spoken wheel that you can't and i've heard that analogy you can't stop it like now is it like stressful randy do you got to get the next hit do you got to get more records out that are going to beat that one do you gotta is it become stressful and pressure now because you got the first one
1: I, you know, I wouldn't call it like, I wouldn't call it like stressful, but like definitely once you get a taste of that, you don't want that to go away. You know what I mean? Like that's a, it's a, it's, it's like a, it's like a, in a, like a drug addiction. You know what I mean? It's like, you get one up it's like, well, let's get another one. You get another one. It's like, well, hell, why don't, why don't we get three, four or five? You know what I mean? It's like, let's just keep it going. You know, I always, always, there's guys that like, multiple, multiple number ones and you always go, man, how are they getting up and writing songs still after having all those number ones? But now that I've had a couple, I go, Oh, I totally see why they're still done. It's because like, you want that dopamine hit again. You know what I mean? Like you oh, want yeah. that high again. And so you just want it to work, you know. I
0: love it. So this is the song that changed it all for Randy Montana. This was out last year in nineteen for Luke Combs. And I don't I think it was like the country music anthem of two thousand nineteen. I really do. I don't know if you can tell me I'm wrong, but it was it was the anthem I'm pretty sure.
1: It felt like it, it felt like it was a big old tune, man. It felt like it was a big old tune. We wrote it in um maybe wrote this song in on Luke's bus um, in Col- and we were in Columbia, Missouri. And, um, I just remember that because I, we walked outside after we were done. I don't think we would gotten off the bus yet. Like we'd woken up on the bus and started writing that morning. Mm-hmm. And this was the second song we wrote that day. We had written another one. Um, and this was the second one that we wrote. And, uh, mm-hmm. So you just admitted
0: that you're drinking cold beers at nine in the morning on Luke Combs' bus to get over a hangover with hair of the dog. I don't know if you're putting a little clamato juice in there for a red beer, but you just admitted it, Randy Montana, right here on the podcast. Nine <laughs> a.m. Yeah,
1: you ever had one? I have, dude. They, you know what they do? We were just in Kansas. We were coming back. Um, Man, check out my my, we were my buddy Logan Mize. He lives in Kansas. and If you don't know Logan, check out Logan. You, you'll love Logan. Uh, dude,
0: I love his first hit that he put out like five years ago about a good time always following him around. Yeah, can't
1: get away from a good time. Can't
0: get, dude, that dude is... I, I went and saw him at a little place in Fort Collins, or in Loveland or Fort Collins, Colorado, three or four years ago after a goose hunt. I can't remember the name. It's called The Boot in Loveland, Colorado. And he ripped it, man. That dude is awesome. Yeah,
1: dude. He's great, man. So... But we were just in, we were just in Kansas visiting him and, and his family. And, uh, we went out to a little bar there. He's from this tiny little town called Andale. Just, it's just outside of Wichita. And, um, he was like, oh yeah, dude. He goes, we, we drink red beer all the time here. And it's just that it's red beer with tomato. And it's like, and we we dude, they're good, man. I've never had one before. You gotta, have,
0: you gotta have Clamato. It's better than V8 or Bloody Mary mix. the Clamato is the yeah. bomb. A little bit yeah. of clam juice in
1: there. That's what they were putting in there. It was the clamato. Man. I it might have
0: a- like I might have like maybe five a year, but it's like a delicacy to me, man. It's like God, that's so salty, and it just tastes so good. But they'll yeah. ruin you, man. They'll just, they'll give you gut rot
1: that's what i was gonna say we couldn't you can't drink a ton of them like no. i think we maybe had two sitting there at the bar and i was like yeah i think i'm that, good man. yeah you know a, I mean? then you're
0: then you're like give me a uh michelob ultra please <laughs> like the lightest beer you can
1: i'd <laughs> <laughs> like a glass of water and a mix them together if you don't mind all right
0: so this <laughs> is the end of the podcast randy i truly appreciate it
1: dude thanks for having me man this was a ball
0: yeah and i want to do it again i'm going to send some dates to you and damon on uh for for the duck and goose hunt this fall you're going to talk to dlm about like there's this cool cat out there in tahoe man he's a big dlm fan he's good he's good to talk to like maybe just put a bug in his ear maybe he won't maybe he won't just roll his eyes i don't know you know who's coming on this podcast next week is that travis freaking tritt travis freaking tritt dude travis freaking tritt dude like the, dude have you ever seen him live and watch him do Waylon? like the dude he did he sang with Waylon. like he know like he got to do all that cool shit with Waylon and merle and george jones and
1: yeah he's yeah. coming on here one of my when i first started out man my my booking agent i had just signed with his booking agency and it was it was with caa and it was the same guys that booked him they're like man you want to go open for travis tritt and i was like yeah you know yeah. what i mean and and um but it was cool because it was an acoustic. He was doing an acoustic tour, so you got to watch him just play. Oh, he would yeah. do these huge these huge clubs, like these three thousand seater clubs. But it was just him and a guitar, dude. It was it was. He's me. still doing he's
0: still doing like one hundred and eighty nights a year, man. I'm sure before man. COVID,
1: that guy's that guy's the real deal.
0: God, he's so good. Anyway, hope maybe maybe you could just put in a, a bug in DLM's ear because I'm a big fan. Big we'll fan. Get
1: on, we'll get him on here. We'll get yeah. we'll get all DLM on here. Tell but him I you- got a
0: song idea for him. Right? <laughs> All right, so we're going out. I'm going to be sending you some dates. I appreciate it. Congratulations on the hits. Keep it up. Keep it going. Stay humble like you are. That's what I love about the guys in this space is, and I don't know, there might be some arrogance out there, but, man, I just, I love the humility. I love what you, that you speak highly of guys like Brent Cobb, and um, it, it's it's uh, near and dear to my heart to be able to use our platform to to I mean, I can't tell you how successful our Apple's playlist is, our Apple, our iMusic I playlist. And we put the Brents and the Adam Hoods on there and the Paul McDonald's. And I want to ask you to put your music on there. I know that I don't put any music on there without asking artists first. It's obviously publishing free because it's iMusic. It's Apple Music. So it's all done through that. But it's yeah. a way that our audience hears this music on our show. Like we'll play a Brent Cobb got me the licensing rights to Ain't a Road Too Long. So it's going to be coming out on an episode on national TV pretty soon. And people hear that and they're like hey where do i get that song because they might never heard of i don't know how many lethal Lofton songs that we've moved off of like the the theme song of our show is what you're going to do when the money's all gone which is what usually plays us out on this podcast but you're going to play us out today so i want to have you involved in all that and if there's I- any of your music that we could put on there i'd love to man dude absolutely i'm all about it we'll talk about it off record all right man what's the name of this song
1: This song's called Beer Never Broke
0: My Heart. God, what a cool idea. Thank you, Randy Montana. Tom, you're going to hit the button. This is Randy Montana singing the song that he wrote that became a smash hit for Luke Combs, Beer Never Broke My Heart. Thank you for supporting the sponsors and partners that support us this episode again was brought to you by our friends at jack daniels i I just stuttered because i literally looked down at my paper and i saw the note that i took on that song rebel kids about zepco reeling marlboro stealing to get the back of my daddy's callous hand that is the coolest way to say you just got an ass whipping for stealing cigarettes i absolutely love the word smithing this is randy montana beer never broke my heart heart thank you all for subscribing to the podcast we'll be back at you with another episode soon take it away randy
2: Tell me goodbye. Trucks break down, dogs run off. Politicians live and fired by the boss. Takes one hand.